Turn your Bibles to the book of Exodus, chapter 20. And we're going to continue our study in the day of rest. And as you're turning there, one day a secretary was leaving uh, on her lunch break when she noticed her boss standing in front of the shredder. And he was clutching, and it looked like important documents with a clueless look on his face. The secretary walks up to him and asks if he needs help. He says, I sure do. He says, I have no idea how to work this thing, but this is very important that these get taken care of. She said, glad to help. She turns the shredder on and inserts the papers. Then the boss looks at her and says, boy, I really appreciate this. I just need one copy. Just one copy, Harley. Amen. Last week, we started to look through the Bible and find out the remedy, the cure for the restless home syndrome. You know, we have all these technological advances, all these new gadgets that were created, that were invented, that were designed to save us time. And yet, we're always running behind, we're always running late, we're always in a hurry. And our lives and our homes and our families, they become cluttered and, and really overcluttered. So what do we do? Well, we should do what we need to do when every problem arises, and that's looking to God's word to find the answer. And this morning, we're going to continue doing that to see how we can cure that restless home syndrome. Always running, in, 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 always running late, always in a hurry. Exodus chapter 20, skip down to verse 8. God said, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he hallowed it. So we're going to just review a little bit, kind of uh, uh, just get a fresh reminder of what we looked at last week. And we started with the giving of the Sabbath. And we see here in the Bible that God gives his people, God has a chosen people, a special people, the Israelites. And we see here in the book of Exodus that he gave his people, the Israelites, a wonderful gift. He gave them a Sabbath, a day of rest. And it absolutely was a gift. In Mark chapter 2, Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also the Lord of the Sabbath. This gift, this gift of the Sabbath, was, as with all of God, God's commandments, was given to us for our benefit. Amen? It was given for our benefit. But as we tend to do with many of God's blessings, many of his gifts, we don't use this gift the way we should. This gift of rest. Amen? So the Bible teaches us about three specific rest days. And the first is that of creation rest. 
The first rest day that God speaks of is creation rest. Look in Genesis chapter 2, starting at verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested. He rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and he sanctified it because in it, he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. So we see here that after God created all things in six days, he rested. But as we looked at last week, that rest has been disturbed. Our sins put God back to work. Amen? Our sins put God back to work. John chapter 5, verse 15. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus, and they sought to kill him because he had done, done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, he said, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. Our sins put God back to work. So that is the, uh, the creation rest. The second rest that the Bible teaches us about is the covenant rest. Creation rest pertained to God alone. Now this covenant rest we need to understand, pertains to the nation of Israel alone. Exodus chapter 31, skipping down to verse 13. God was given this command to Moses, and he said, Speak also to the children of Israel, saying to them, Surely my Sabbath you shall keep. This is the important part. For it is a sign between me and you. Who's the you? The nation of Israel. Amen? This is a sign between God and the nation of Israel throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy to you. Everyone who pervanes it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. Now, this is important for us because we see that this Sabbath, the Old Testament Sabbath, was given only to the nation of Israel, and thank God for that, because what was the penalty for not keeping it? Death. Amen? Death was the penalty for not keeping the Old Testament Sabbath. Verse 15, work shall be done for six days, but the seventh is the Sabbath of rest holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath, he shall surely be put to that death. Therefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and refreshed it. God gave his chosen people, the nation of Israel, the Israelites, a special day. He gave them the seventh day of rest, the Saturday Sabbath. And again, who was that for? The Israelites alone. Only the nation of Israel was his sign between he and they. So that brings us to the third 
Sabbath that the Bible teaches of, the third rest day, and that is the Calvary rest. This is the one that's for us, amen? This is the one that's for the church, the New Testament church, the bride of Christ. As Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, amen? Jesus declared over and over in the Bible that he came to fulfill the law. He was the fulfillment of the law, and he is, as he declared, the Lord of the Sabbath. So just as God rested after his work of creation, Jesus also rested after his work of the new creation. Amen? The Bible tells us, for if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Amen? Jesus rested after his work in the new creation, his work of redemption. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12. It says, for this man, talking about Christ, after he offered one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down at the right hand of God. When we sit down, what are we doing? We're resting. Amen? After Jesus' work on the cross, his work of redemption, his work in the new creation, the Bible tells us that he sat down next to God the Father, and he what? He rested. Amen? He rested. Now go to the book of Colossians chapter 2. Book of Colossians chapter 2. God teaches us quite a few things here in the book of Colossians. Skipping down to verse 13. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, Jesus has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So let no one judge you in food or drink or regarding a festival or a new moon, or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. The key here is in verse 17. What God is telling us here is that all the Old Testament feasts, the tabernacles, all the ceremonies in the Old Testament, all the laws of God, they were all foreshadows of who? Jesus Christ. They were all symbolic, pointing us to Christ. And that was true even of the Old Testament Sabbath. And the Old Testament Sabbath, as with all the Old Testament feasts, all the Old Testament ceremonies, they were pointing us, symbolic, to Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the important part that we have to understand. That's the most important part. And that's why Jesus could declare, in the book of Matthew, chapter 11, he said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Amen? That's why Jesus could declare that. He has done all of, that, all of the work for our redemption, our salvation. And now he's seated at the right hand of God the Father. He is at rest, and he is our rest. Amen? That's what he meant. Come to me and I will give you rest. 
And that's why we rest, not on Saturday, but when? Today. That's why we rest on Sunday. It's the day that Jesus conquered all of our enemies, death, hell, the grave, Satan himself. And God's word in Revelation 1.10 declares Sunday as the Lord's day. The Old Testament Sabbath is never referred to as the Lord's day. In Jesus Christ, we have the Calvary Sabbath, the Calvary rest, and that is on Sunday. Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, he has fulfilled every aspect of God's law. And that includes the Old Testament Sabbath. And he has transformed it into our Calvary rest. We have a rest day. And that's today. Amen. We come and rest in Jesus Christ. Now I want to point out seven quick differences between the two. The Old Testament Sabbath, the the covenant Sabbath, pertains to God's first great work of creation. The New Testament Calvary Sabbath, Calvary rest, pertains to God's second great work of redemption, the new creation. We think about the Old Testament Sabbath, that deals with natural life. The New Testament Sabbath, the Calvary Sabbath, deals with spiritual life. The Old Testament Sabbath dealt with life in Adam. The New Testament Sabbath deals with life in Jesus Christ. Amen? Fourth difference. The Old Testament Sabbath commemorated the works of God's hands. The New Testament Sabbath commemorates the works of God's heart, his grace, his love, his unconditional love. The Old Testament Sabbath displayed God's almighty power. The New Testament Sabbath displays God's amazing grace. The Old Testament Sabbath was given uh, to the nation of Israel. The New Testament Sabbath was given to the church, the bride of Christ, every born-again believer. And the seventh difference, the Old Testament Sabbath was a day of law, but the New Testament Sabbath is a day of love. Amen. Seven differences between the two. Now, I also want to share seven truths about the Calvary Sabbath, about our Sunday Sabbath. First truth is that Jesus arose from the dead on what day? He rose from the dead on the first day of the week, which is what? Sunday. Amen? Sunday. Luke chapter 1. Verse 9, now when Jesus rose early on the first day of the week. Now we have to remember our work day starts on Monday, but the first day of the week on your calendar is what? Sunday. Jesus arose uh, from the dead on Sunday. Second truth, Jesus first appeared to his disciples after his resurrection on what day? On Sunday. First appeared on the first day of the week. Skip down, staying in Luke 1. Uh, skip down to verse, one, uh, verse 14. Again, uh, verse 9 tells us, Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, verse 14 says, Later, it's talking about the same day, he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table. So his first appearance to his disciples after his resurrection was also on Sunday. 
Jesus also first commissioned or sent out his disciples to preach the gospel on what day? On Sunday. Verse 15. And Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creation. Fourth important truth about our Sabbath, our Sunday Sabbath. The disciples assembled together for church, the early church, on what day? On Sunday. Amen? After the resurrection of Christ, after he appeared to them, after he ascended, they gathered for church service on Sunday. John chapter 20, verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst. Why had they gathered together and assembled in fear of the Jews? What were they doing? They were holding church. Amen. The Jews were still persecuting them for worshiping Christ. And they were assembled having church. And guess who appeared right in their midst? And what did Jesus say? Where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there where? In their midst. We also see this in Acts chapter 20, verse 7. Now on the first day of the week, again, what day is that? Talking about Sunday. When the disciples came together... To break bread, the Apostle Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them, preached to them, and continued his message until midnight. Aren't you glad this preacher doesn't preach that long? <laughs> he preached until midnight. So the fifth truth is that the day of Pentecost was also given on what day? Given on Sunday. Day of Pentecost, we can read about in the book of Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost, Sunday, had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now, we also know the day of Pentecost was also the giving of what? God's Holy Spirit. That's when God sent us his Holy Spirit was on the day of Pentecost. And if we keep reading here in Acts chapter 2, verse 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house uh, where they were sitting. Then they appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So we see the giving of the Holy Spirit happened on the day of Pentecost, and the day of Pentecost also happened to be on the first day of the week. It was on Sunday. Now, the seventh truth that I wanted to touch on this morning about the Sunday Sabbath. Tithing was also instructed to be taken on what day of the week? On Sunday. Why does that make sense? Because we're all what? Assembled together for church. 
If you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1, it says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, it's talking about tithing, who are saints. Every born-again believer is a saint of God. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches in Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. So we see seven important truths concerning the Calvary Sabbath, the Sunday Sabbath. Amen? Jesus is calling all of us to come unto him, and he will give us rest. He has given us a rest day. He has given us a Sabbath. He is the Lord of the Sabbath, and our Sabbath, the New Testament Sabbath, is on Sunday. Amen? So, the second thing I want us to see is the keeping of the Sabbath. We had the giving of the Sabbath, now the keeping of the Sabbath. So, if we're not under the law, and we're not, amen, we're under grace, how do we, how do we keep the Lord's day? Amen? How do we keep it? What are the regulations in keeping the Lord's day? All right, get your pen and paper out. I'm going to give you a list of things. You ready? All right, start writing now. All right, we're done. Did you get all that? There's none. Amen? There are no regulations. We are under grace. We're not under the law. We are under grace. There are no legal requirements in keeping the Lord's day. Amen? Isn't that relieving? Now, with that being said, I do want to clarify. It's still the Lord's day, amen? And it is a holy day. But it's a day of love and not legalism. Amen? It is a day that we uh, commemorate, that God has set us aside as a day of rest. But it's a day that we rest in who? We rest in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's the Lord's day. It's sanctified by his own blood. And it's a day that we ought to set aside to honor him, to praise him, to glorify him. We gather together. We assemble ourselves to do what? To bring and raise the praise to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why we come today, not out of obligation, not out of requirement, because we ought to want to. To praise him for all that he has blessed us with. Amen. This is something that we want to do. Out of our love for us because of his love for us. Not something that we have to do. Many still ask today, you know, can I, can I do this or that on a Sunday? Can, can I go here or go there on a Sunday? You can choose to do whatever you want. You can choose to go wherever you want on a Sunday. Amen? There's no legal requirements. The only thing we should be mindful of, whatever we do and wherever we go, not just today, but any day, we should do it in a way that is uplifting and glorifying to Christ. Amen? That's all that matters. That's all that's required. That's all that we need to understand. 
But that should be applied to every single day, everything we do and everywhere we go. Amen? Not just on Sunday. Now, let me give you three guiding principles on how we can keep the Lord's Day. Amen? Three guiding principles. Again, these are not requirements. These aren't, it's not legalism. Just guiding principles. Number one, make Sunday a holy day. Amen? It is the Lord's Day. He is the Lord of the Sabbath, so we should make it a holy day. We should set aside time to worship him. The Bible even instructs us in the book of Hebrews chapter 10, in verse 24. It says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. So God is telling us, look, I have given you, I've, I've created this wonderful thing called the church. Amen? And the church is not this building. The church is each one of us. Jesus said, I gave my life for the church, for you, for me, for us. And he says, I gave you this wonderful fellowship that comes with that church. We're called the body of Christ. We are the family of God. He said, I've given you this wonderful fellowship. Don't forsake coming together, lifting up one another, encouraging one another. We're not to forsake that gift that God has provided. Why? Once again, it's for our benefit. It's for our betterment. We are to come together in unity and love of Jesus Christ, uplifting one another, encouraging one another, coming together, as I said, to raise the praise, giving honor and glory to our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what we ought to do on a Sunday. Moms and dads, or dads and moms. It's up to us to set the example for our children. Amen. Book of Psalms, listen to what God instructs us. Book of Psalm 145, verse 4. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Isaiah chapter 38, verse 19. The Father shall make known your truth to the children. God is putting that responsibility in our hands. That one generation is to teach the other generation about who? About God. Amen? It's our obligation to teach our children and, and, and have them hand it down to their children. And if we are blessed to be able to see our grandchildren, we pass it down to that generation as well. Amen? Share all the good things that God has done to us. Plain and simple. Make Sunday a holy day. So church ought to be our first plan going into the weekend. Amen? First thing on our weekend checklist ought to be church. It should be number one at the very top. Set aside time for church. Now, I want you to think about some of the excuses that we've all been guilty of, right? That we made in the past to stay home from church, not to go to church. Think, just think in your head. Don't, don't blurt them out. It's between you and God. Think about all the excuses we've ever come up with not to go to church. Now think of those excuses and ask yourself, if I would have used that excuse with my boss, 
How long would I have had my job? Amen. Think of some of the excuses we use to stay home from church. Would that go over with our boss? Probably not. We'd get fired pretty quick. Amen. Uh, boss, I, I had just a long weekend, and, and I just wanted to sleep in instead. Right? But we need to make sure we're setting an example for our children. An example that, that tells them that the Lord's Day is our day to celebrate our Lord. We go to church to praise Him, to glorify Him, to worship Him. We need to set that, uh, that, that tone with our children. You think of our greatest obligation as parents. Really two things. We can kind of crunch everything into, into two compartments. The first is to keep our children safe. Amen? The second thing is to teach them what's important. When we come to church, we're telling people how they can stay out of hell. Amen? The safest place is heaven. So our greatest obligation is to teach our children how to not get hurt for an eternity in hell. Amen? And the second thing is to teach them what's important. And the most important thing that we need to teach them is all about God himself. Amen? So when we come to church, when we bring them to church, we're fulfilling our obligation of the two most important things that we need to do for our children. Keep them safe and teach them what's important. Amen? Because what we accomplish in this church, for our community, for one another, for those in need, is vitally important. Amen? So set aside one day a week as a holy day. Making it to church on Sunday really starts on Saturday night, doesn't it? Kind of getting everything ready. Getting everything in order. Hoping the Eagles game doesn't go past midnight, you know. It stopped at 11, so we were good. The other thing is to stop dwelling on the negative things about church or its people. Amen? Here's a truth. This church, just like every church, is made up of imperfect people. And it's led by an imperfect pastor. Amen? And we have to stop dwelling on the negative things. As long as people are involved, it's not going to be perfect. Amen. We need to concentrate on the positive things. Never criticize the church in front of others, especially our children. Amen. If you have a criticism, say it at the proper time to the proper person with the proper attitude. Amen. Plain and simple. Let's make it a holy day that it truly is. Amen. Second thing, second guiding principle, we need to make it a healthy day. It's a holy day, and it ought to be a healthy day. Remember Sunday, the New Testament Sabbath, the Calvary Sabbath, is a day of rest. It was given to us to be a day of rest. The, the, when, you, when you go back to the original commandment, it came in two parts. The first part was six days you shall what? Work. God wanted us to establish the importance and the benefits of a good, 
honest, hard day's work. Amen? There is nothing wrong, and it's healthy to put in a good, honest day's work. That's the first part of the Sabbath. Six days we shall work. Then he added what? The seventh day is what? Is a day of rest. Just as important as a good, honest day's work, it's important for us that we need to understand that we need to rest. That's how God created us. We're to make time to rest on the Lord's day. How many of us actually do that? Amen? How many have set aside a time for rest? When you do, you're going to come to find out you will get more accomplished in those six days than you ever imagined when you rest properly on the seventh day. Amen? God will make sure he will bless those six days of work and you're going to accomplish way more than you ever did working seven days straight when you properly rest as God has set aside on the seventh day. Slow down. Make it a holy day. Make it a healthy day. And lastly, thirdly, the third guiding principle is that we need to make it a happy day. Sunday ought to be the happiest day of the week. Amen. Plain and simple. The day Jesus was victorious over death and hell and the grave and Satan, that ought to be the happiest day of the week. We need to celebrate that day with joy. Every Sunday is Easter Sunday for the born-again believer. Amen? Every Sunday we remember what Christ did, that he rose from the dead victorious over our enemies. Jesus is alive. He loves us beyond imagination, beyond measure. And he's coming again to receive us to himself. Amen. That's, what we are raised, that's, what, that's why we come and raise the praise on Sundays. That's why we come to worship him. Plain and simple for all the work that he has done so that we can rest in him. Amen. This is the day which the Lord has made. We will rejoice in what? And be glad in it. Let's take this day. Number one, let's keep it holy. Amen? Let's make it healthy by setting aside some time for rest. And let's keep it a day of joy and gladness and understanding that Jesus Christ, he is our rest. Amen.